Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is a Celtic state of mind. Apologies that we're 60 seconds late. It's my fault. I'm Paul John Dykes, and I'm joined today uh, from New Zealand by Ian Conroy and from Japan by Liam Carrigan. And before we go any further, Liam, that is a belter of football top. Um, and I was just saying before we went live, one of the very few examples of a football top being able to pull tartan off and not do it yeah. like a kind of cheesy, kind of, you know, short breed. Uh, shortbread fashion that Morton actually tried to do once in it. Yeah. That's a cracking jersey. Is that a retro or an original? Uh, it, it, it's a retro. Um, as much as I would love to get an original, unfortunately, this is a, <laughs> this is a Chinese knockoff. Um, but um, it's... Uh, so, sorry, if, if anyone from Japan Customs are listening, it's a legitimately sourced uh, foreign of garment. Course. You know, of yeah. course, yeah. Um, no, it's uh, yeah, it, you know, it's one I bought a couple of couple of year ago, and it's it's my favourite Scotland top of all time. So it's it's nice. Um, it's nice. It really it, it gets comments. You know, I was wearing it at school today, and the Waynes were like, "Oh, is that is that tartan?" I was like, yes. Oh, that will be a Scotland shirt then. Yes. <laughs> I do recall. Um, Around about that time, what we're talking, that's Euro 96, right? And I think that we had the jersey for a wee while before that, because I remember that was out when I was at school, sixth year at school. And for my art project, you know, like you get the art folio for um, uh, going to college and stuff. My design project was designing a new Celtic away strip. I have always, Ian, been an absolute Celtic kit pervert. So I designed this Celtic away jersey. And because we were with Umbro at the time, I based it on that jersey Liam's wearing, but I, I used the, the old Celtic tartan. And I remember looking at it thinking it was the greatest design of all time. Um, but looking back, it was probably rotten. I've got it. I've got a picture of John Collins wearing it and all this kind of stuff. So there you go, Ian. I know that you're a, a jersey aficionado. Nobody in the comment section wants to talk about football jerseys today. Everybody wants to talk about 
Feyenoord tomorrow night, our uh, kind of failed Champions League campaign, the mood in the camp, the mood that is coming from the board to Brendan Rodgers, it's coming from the board to the fan base via the Green Brigade and the four Tims boys who have been banned from the fan media press conferences. We want to talk about all that. What's happened to this holy trinity? Ian, together, right, Celtic are an unstoppable force, but for some strange reason from time to time, we just start falling out with each other. And I think you've got Brendan Rodgers banging on about the recruitment, right, just in advance of the January transfer window opening. He's no very happy. And you've got these issues, these fractured relationships between the ultras and the board and then fan media and the board. All these tiny margins, Ian, we need everybody together to pull this back on track. Yeah, I think um, the word I used, um, I think, when we talked about the Greenbury last time was, was, the, was the ego side of things. Um, we all have it, and it's it kind of can get in the, in the way of, of of all manner of things. When it comes to the football side of things, and, and Brendan did speak about that unity. I'm a firm believer it myself. You know, it's like it doesn't work any other way. In a family unit, in a work environment, where no matter what it is, you need unity if you're going to do something collectively. Uh, and that's kind of it seems like the wheels will fall off a little bit. I'm not going to prescribe and get get sucked into this kind of like you know it's all oh, it's all it's all doom and gloom, right? I'm going to. First and foremost, right, in life, without humour, we're all knackered, right? So we've got to retain our humour, right, and, and, and level of just not, not flip out here, right? We've been playing poorly for a bit. Brendan's given mixed messages in the media, um, whether that's some kind of psychological games with the board or, you know, messages as we all sort of alluded to, or whether it's to the players or whether it's a mixture of both, I don't know. But ultimately, Brendan's come out and he's taken responsibility for the recruitment. So we have to take him at his word. Um, but then he can't, by the same token, bitch and moan about it or, or put veiled, veiled sort of references into his displeasure um, without having some kind of causative effect. Um, and that is only going to affect unity, you know, if he's chucking certain people under the bus. I agree that certain players don't seem to be the level, but he's just got to get on with it. Um, and I don't know whether it was because he didn't he didn't come in in time to get the players that he, he actually wanted. Excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But at the moment, it's just time for calm heads, right? I don't believe that the the challenge is going to be as strong as we think it might be. Um, obviously, there's there's other other reasons that we're all talking about as well that might might, might have aided and abetted certain aspects of other teams, mm. you know, playing catch up, but. Assuming that, you know, as Joxine said, but, you know, if we're good enough, these things don't matter. I think we're going to do it. I think we'll be all right. I don't think it'll be another sort of season the way we all sort of capitulated um, during the COVID season. I think we've got more in our locker for that. And I think Brendan's the right man to to tweak this team, to bring, to give it new energy. Um, I'm rambling on a bit here, so I won't, I won't keep going on. But for me, the biggest issue at the moment on the park is the lack of energy and the lack of application, it seemed, compared to what Ange had set up, um, the players have dropped down two or three levels in terms of, of, of speed in their play and that incisive thinking. You have to have, you ha- your mind has to be working for your body to do it, to, 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 to respond to these signals. You sent your brain sent your legs, you know, and it's exponentially dropped down this more passive, mm. slow build-up. It was turgid towards the end of t- uh, Brendan's... Um, Tenure the last time, and it's almost like he started out that way. We've not got a Scott Sinclair, a dynamic Scott Sinclair, 
that's doing these, you know, creating that dynamism that you had the first time around. Um, so I think he needs to just with, with one or two tweaks. Um, perhaps there's some 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 disgruntlement in the dressing room as well. I think one or two tweaks going back on track. Um, whether it's too soon to see a decent performance against Feyenoord, I don't know. But knowing Celtic will probably do really well now the pressure's off. Um, but at least then it can show some sh- green shoots of recovery and, 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 and sort of a nod to next season if we do have a good result. Because I think they, they, they were there for the taking last time, apart from the, 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 the two sendings off. So uh, with a home crowd behind us, we have to be united and get behind the team and, and, and see how we can do tomorrow. Some great points here. Yeah, I'm going to throw some of them over to, to Liam over in Japan. Uh, the first one I'm going to say is, <clears throat> I remember talking about humour, and uh, is very, very important. And um, I've often been described as taking myself too seriously on this show, uh, Liam, because <laughs> I like to keep things nice and tight and professional. But listen, I always remember um, being at Tynecastle with my old man, and no, I wasn't a Hearts fan. I was in the Celtic end, in case anybody wants to throw Paul John Dykes as a Hearts fan into the mix as well. I was at this game and um, I remember it was during the Liam Brady uh, era and the the day, I don't know why this particular game vividly stays in my mind because we got beat 3-1, right? And I should have checked the wiki, but it just came to mind when Ian was telling me about it. Tommy Coyne scored for Celtic. I was a massive fan of Tommy Coyne because he shared the same hair colour and hairstyle as my dad. And all these years later, my dad's hair's never changed. It's still the same. Um, and some people still call him Tommy. Um, or or Terry after Terry McCann uh, for Minder. So the old man and myself are standing there. And my fellas had a few bevies and all this kind of stuff, you know, the cheap wine and all that. I'm just a kid, and I always remember uh, it was the day Liam that the Celtic fans were basically laughing at ourselves, and we started singing. Always look on the bright side of life. Now, oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was raining. It was dull. My memory's telling me it was like November time. I'd need to check the wiki to find mm. that. It was definitely a wintery kind of game where you're standing there freezing cold and you only want a bottle to keep your hands warm kind of thing. And we started singing Always Look on the Bright Side. And I think we had played maybe Manchester United in one of these, what became regular testimonial games at the time. And it might have started doing it at Old Trafford uh, during one of these. It might have been the Brian Robson testimonial if memory serves me, perhaps. Again, my timeline could well be out. But we've always had that humour, Liam, and it is important, yeah. right, that you can't just sit and laugh as, as you know, the, the house burns down, uh, pandemic style, you know, during that COVID season. <laughs> but you do also have to have a bit of humour about it. I mean, yeah, we're dead serious about Celtic. Celtic is a 24-7 uh, love and passion for every single person that appears on this show. But at the same time, there's always time for a bit of crack, right? And and the reason I'm bringing all this up is that I opened the show up talking about the fact that there's been fallouts. Um, we don't know for sure what the, the situation is between Brennan Rogers and, and his um, dissatisfaction with the recruitment team, for example, uh, because I always just say the board, I mean, obviously that there's various different levels between them and a player coming into the club. But the, the four Tims boys, I mean, you know, you, you yourself, Liam, you're from Celtic Down Under. This weekend, we are doing the, the, the charity weekend, or it's the fourth year in a row that we've hosted it. And the reason we do it is, is twofold. The priority is to bring in as much money as we possibly can at this time of the year for someone or a group of people who are less fortunate than us. And we try to do it in a way of a kind of community, like this unity that Ian was talking about, where Celtic pods come together, it's all on Axom. It's 24 hours of content. And the four Tim's boys, I'm going back to the humour thing. 
They've been on it, I think, twice. I think they've done two of the, the previous three years. And the crack was brilliant. They're obviously, a lot of what they're saying is tongue-in-cheek, Liam. You know, it's like they're laughing at themselves like what we did back in the day at Time Castle. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and for example, if there's a an issue with, let's say, tech or whatever, they'll just laugh at themselves. They're not taking themselves too seriously. Yet I was saddened to hear that the club have stamped down, and I'm not even sure why. I don't know if it was due to content on their site or if it was something they said on the podcast, but it was something against the club. Now, you can't have that attitude, Liam, whereby you criticise me and you're out. I mean, no. certainly certainly not with, with fan media. I mean, I, I can see the sense. Sometimes I see headline after headline from the same journalist in Scotland, and I look at it and think, there's no wonder you've been banned from Celtic before. I mean, there's Hi. a famous picture of Hugh Keevans outside the Celtic Supporters Club on London Road because he'd been banned for Celtic Park, if you'll remember. <laughs> so I, I can see the sense of it in, in it sometimes. If someone is, is deliberately trying to damage the club um, mm. by just running negative stories constantly. But these four Tim's boys are Celtic fans now. And yes. I, I think that's a, it's a, it's a dodgy road to start going down, I, I believe, you know, that the clubs have done this. I think it's the wrong decision. Look, we're, you know, coming from a journalism background myself, I the the notion of censorship gets thrown around a lot these days, and a lot of it is is erroneous. People say, "Oh, I'm being censored, I'm being cancelled." Like, no, you're not. You're being held to consequence for your actions, right? But in this case, this is completely out of order from Celtic. Um, you know to the best of my knowledge, that those boys have never posted anything racist, never anything sectarian, never anything overtly offensive to public decency. So have they criticised Celtic? Yes. Have they criticised players? Probably. Have they criticised the manager? Almost certainly. I did yesterday. Um, and, you know, that is part of being a... Part of being fan media is that we apply a critical eye to ourselves as much as we do to everyone else. Right. You know, we have a laugh at the at the opposition, such as they are. We have a laugh at the media, such as they are. Um, but we also have to look at situations where we are not doing the right thing. I mean, that's why Chris Sutton is so respected by the Celtic support, because he's not afraid to criticise when, when we're going the wrong way. Definitely. And if the club starts shutting that down, that's really, really a dark road to go down. I mean, I'll, I'll say it straight up. You take that to the most extreme point. That is what killed the old Rangers. If they had actually listened to people outside of their hardcore, yep. we are the people, whatever nonsense, you know, and just said, wait a minute, you're right, this isn't this isn't right, something's got to be done. Maybe they could have saved their club from dying. You know, um, I'm not saying for a second that's going to happen to Celtic, but we know from very recent history that there are dark consequences when clubs start banning everybody who doesn't stay on message. Um, you know, it's not it's not a good road to go down. It doesn't look good. It does not promote uh, unity, which, as you say, is what we need, particularly tomorrow night. Um, mm. We really need a united support. And I have never seen, probably since 2020, I haven't seen the Celtic support as disparate and as... Excuse my language, for a better phrase, just pissed off with each other since <laughs> since then. Because, you know, you've got some people saying it's the manager's fault. You've got some people saying it's the board's fault. You've got some people saying the players just aren't doing it. 
Um, you have others who are like, oh, this is just, this is just, you know, as usual, we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot from a position of power, and you know, there's 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 truth in all of those arguments, I think, to a certain degree, but none of that is going to help us at the moment unless we can no. get our act together. No, so we and- just, yeah. I stand by what I said at the start of the season, right? In terms of mm-hmm. looking at the bigger picture, if we come out of the New Year Glasgow derby still ahead of them, we'll win the league. I, I, I said that in August, and I stand by it now. As long as we are still ahead of them going into the winter shutdown, we win this league. Because in January we will. I don't know. I don't think we'll strengthen to the extent that everyone's hoping, uh, or perhaps even that the manager is hoping. But I do think that we will strengthen and we'll get this league title over the line. Um, what happens after that is anybody's guess. But I, I really do think we're going to, we're still going to win this title. We're not, it's not like... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on bluenile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. 2020, where losing a home game suddenly put us 10 points behind. You know, we are still top of the league. Um, and there is no guarantee that, that the other mob are going to win their games in hand. So, you know, I'm not worried about them. I am worried about us. And I think that is where the focus needs to stay between now and January. Without a doubt. I mean, we've got a, a clutch of games now, um, starting tomorrow night, where we need to get the momentum going. So I've seen the final game being described as a dead rubber. I think it's certainly not that, for a number of reasons. The, the first one I'm going to point out is you start a, a run of games and you get that momentum back with an eye on the game on the 30th of December at Celtic Park. There's also the added incentive, of course, of uh, Champions League points earning you coefficient points and, and earning you um, money. <laughs> the financial element of being in the Champions League, you win a game and, and it's worth something like two and a half million quid to the club. That's part of it. But also, um, you know, you can you can then have a look back at the and, and judge your entire campaign over the six games. And if you've got that win, then you've got that monkey off your back because we haven't had that win in so long at home in the Champions League. And in the, you know, in the Champions League, home and away. So there's there's a lot, I think, riding on tomorrow night's game. You can't, it cannot be written off. It needs to be taken really seriously, not in isolation, but more in the, the respect of the games that are coming up. But quite a few things you've been saying there, uh, Liam, about unity. You know, four times in a podcast, it won't make any difference to them and it won't make any difference to the bigger picture if they're not at a press conference. But what it shows is this, you know, fragmentation of a relationship between fan and club. that That's one representation of it. The other, of course, is the Green Brigade and the Ultras situation. 
um, at the football club as well. Celtic Park is famed, Ian, and you will have been yourself over the over the the t- lengthy time you've supported Celtic at some famous European nights. The, the famed, the club are famed for the the atmosphere, the fact that it can give you an element, an energy um, that you know we do things at Celtic Park or we have done, we've not been doing it enough recently, um, that seems absolutely impossible. I mean, one of the, the famous examples, of course, is 20, 2012 against Barcelona. And I was just watching that game just recently, actually, because my wee fellas at that age, and we're obviously Barcelona and all this kind of thing, it's, it's almost as if it's a brand that kids become aware of alongside things like Prime, PlayStation, you know, Barcelona's up there with these brands that, you know, the, the media and iPads and all that are feeding all the time and all the kids in the school are wearing the jerseys. So I said, listen, son, I'm going to show you a game that Barcelona played in Glasgow a few years ago. And there's your man Messi, the greatest of all time, really. Well, we won 2-1. Tony Watt, there's a player, we Tony. And the thing that, that actually it reminded me of, Ian, and I spoke about this yesterday with Big Lloyd up at Celtic Park when we did the wonder, I had completely forgotten that Tony Watt was through on goal again after we were 2 nothing up, could you remember that? And he gets pulled down, Mascherano pulls him down. And we get none for it. We don't even get a free kick, never mind the sending off. And and Tony Watt was, was about to put us three up. Can you remember that, Ian? I can't remember that a bit, no, no. I was over here, actually, um, the first time I lived here. So I saw that in the morning. I skied off work, luckily I was working around the corner, so I nipped back to the to my, my wee apartment and, uh, and I, I, I put the rest of the game on. I couldn't believe it, but I, no, I can't remember that bit, to be honest. Uh, it's it's brilliant to to watch these things back because th- there's moments. I mean, you can visualise Charlie McGrew taking that corner that is met with the the absolute commander that was uh, Victor Wanyama. Great goal! You remember the the clearance from from Foster to Tony Watt, the commentary, the whole lot. But there's wee elements when you watch it again. You know the fact that Effie Ambrose is playing centre half and Miku's playing up front, and Tony Watt almost scored another goal at the end. And you know, Celtic Park can be a special. Um, theatre when it comes to football on on nights like tomorrow night yeah you can say listen it means nothing I'm saying it does it means plenty because we need to get back into the groove here Ian. and I'm I'm focusing on Kyogo at the moment and I understand people are saying Kyogo what about the defence yeah that's another issue entirely but if you were to look at the last couple of years and you were to over the piece say who was the most important player for Celtic over the last two years during Ange Porcicoglu's tenure I think Kyogo, where most fans would be in the top two or three, where most fans, you know, people would say Carter Vickers was pivotal or or Kyogo was pivotal. Yeah, absolutely. Or McGregor, maybe. Um, But Kyogo this season, um, and and in the last few games, mainly, has been a bit of a shadow of his former selfie. And what I'm trying to say here is we need to put a bit of focus on him, get him playing back to his strengths. And even if it means that the wingers are playing absolutely um, exclusively to Kyogo's strengths, do it because it will be worthwhile because the actual benefits and the results of that are, are wins. Um, fluid football goes for Kyogo. You know, uh, this tempo that you were talking about, Ian, it, it, it's so noticeable, isn't it? And I spoke at the beginning of the season with Kevin McCluskey about the fact that Brendan Rodgers can, can kill a game for 20, 25 minutes. He speaks about it himself. He talks about how you can rest with the ball and all this kind of stuff. But what then happens is if you can if you're resting with the ball but you, you're not tight enough at the back, then you're chasing the game. And once you're out of the game, it's difficult. I find that it's been difficult for Celtic to get back in. And that, that's been the issue. So tomorrow night, Ian, let, let's have a wee think about Kyogo. First question I'm going to ask you, did 
does he make it back into the start eleven? I mean, the big fella oh, I, I think he he was deserving of a start. He was deserving to keep his jersey. He wasn't that great, was he? Really at the weekend, and he should have scored a, at least one goal. Does Kyogo come back in? And if so, do we play to his strengths? Do we actually shape the wingers, make sure that the deliveries that they're putting in are to Kyogo's benefit? It's an absolute must. You know, in terms of all, I think um, I thought he had a decent first half against Kilmarnock. Um, he was the one shining light for me that was chasing down everything. I like the fact that he was challenging and trying to put the keeper off, which is kind of a bit of a throwback as well. Um, you know, you don't see that in, in sort of modern football anymore, but it just, he showed the most commitment out of any Celtic player on the park in the first half for me against Kilmarnock. So I, I, I'm one of these guys I wouldn't mind seeing the two of them get the nod and to see how, how much damage they can do together. But absolutely, fundamentally, if he doesn't play, um, is that we play to Kilgore's strengths. He's such a clever player. And I think the advantage that he gives us, because he's such a good player, and he's a player on the shoulder, we can play the, the more riskier passes because he can deal with them and get a shot off, right? The way Brenda's got to set up these days, we're taking, we're taking more, more time to get the ball forward. You know, we're going back, 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 side to side, side to side. You know, back, side to side, and it's whereas under Ange, we had, we were, we were progressing. I hate the, the, the modern terms of football, but through the lines, you know, we were, we were, we were that, these interchanges. You know, with with, with, the, with the inverted wing back, uh, throwbacks and stuff like that, pulling pulling the opposition players in, in all kinds of different di- different situations that they didn't want to be in, and and playing playing these balls quickly up to Kyogo where he was he was taking advantage. At the moment, it's too it's too laboured. So we're we're allowing our opponents to be able to predict us. You know, we've got, we've got that predictability, yeah. um, and we haven't got we haven't got the smarts to, you know, the personnel to do that. To, to, we're not we're not a Barcelona or, or, or of old, you know, or, or we were, you know, Atletico Madrid the other night, and when we played them, when I was said when I said they're they're not on the ball around like a ping ball, but with intent and on purpose, because they're all brilliant players. We haven't got. We haven't got the capability to do that, so it slows it down. It slows the pace of the game down, um, and it's, it's it's playing at the opposition hands. You know, especially when Celtic, you know, the opposition are quite happy to let us have the ball a lot of the time in the in the in the, in the early. So to to utilise Kyogo, we've got to, he's got to play in that on the shoulder and that and and really really a high line, um, and 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 yeah, the wingers need to be to be bought into that. Yeah, without a doubt, and and I want to talk specifically about the wingers. I've seen the con- the, the footage coming out of Sky Sports this morning um, that Maeda and indeed Carter Vickers are part of the training session today, um, preparing for Feyenoord. I think that's uh, massive. There's a there's a whole discussion that we we're going to have to have around that left hand side of the park with regards to Maeda Taylor's form. Um, and and by the way, I think they're connected. When when Maeda's not playing, Taylor's form drops off the edge of a cliff. Uh, we'll have a wee look at that. Let's get some of your comments up. Uh, Jungle Lion, always an absolute pleasure to see you. This season can be fixed. This is where I am as well, Jungle Lion. Uh, but we need everyone pulling in the same direction, and it's not. And I think that's the reason I was bringing up at the top of the show uh, the relationships that at the moment seem to be a bit fractured. So you've got that relationship between Brennan Rogers and recruitment. I'm just going to call it recruitment um, at the moment because there's a recruitment team, obviously, a scout network that we've got. Um, and we've got a board of directors and uh, obviously they um, will be looking at budgets and, and that kind of thing. So it's all interconnected. But, yeah, we need to keep everybody pulling in the same direction. 
how horrific would it be tomorrow night if uh, we look at the Feyenoord game, there's empty seats. Um, Champions League, that's what we want. And it's all a bit of a damp squib at the moment. Michael Ross, great to see you coming in. You're commenting on YouTube as well. And if you want to make a comment on YouTube, get involved in the discussion, both within the comment section and also with uh, the contributors here. All you need to do is subscribe. It's free of charge. Get subscribing and get commenting. Michael Ross, it's a treble winning squad more than good enough. Domestically, Rogers has dragged us down. You get the sense of that. Um, I think I've been probably quite, not defensive, but I have backed Brendan from the day that he walked in the building, um, Liam. There are things, however, that come down to decision-making um, where you're looking at... I'll, I'll give you an example, Liam, right? Mm. And this might be a very small one. And I'm not saying that Ange did everything right because no manager ever does, right? But one thing about Ange Postecoglou, when he was asked questions about his players, uh, it was pointed out by a friend of mine, um, Shug, just last night to me. Um, Ange was always a wee bit... He kept his cards close to his chest, particularly when it came to injuries. It could be frustrating for fans because you'd want to know when's this one coming back, when's that one. And he was always very guarded about it, Liam. Mm. But rightly so, because what you're doing, and Brendan Rodgers does it, he gives you absolute specifics about players. What you're doing is you're telling your opposition how to prepare for the game. So they're going into a game knowing X, Y, and Z is fit and will play, and there's no element of surprise. Whereas Ange Postecoglou always kept it close to his chest, didn't he, Liam? It's a tiny, tiny wee yeah. thing. But there's one thing being open and uh, being engaging and all this, because Brendan is brilliant at that in press conferences. Obviously, there's things that Ange did that I'm looking at now thinking, wow, you didn't like that guy, did you? Uh, every mm. time a certain journalist asked a question, you every knew Ange he, was going to... Every time he called somebody mate, we know oh, what he actually meant. You know? <laughs> to the point where you're, you're actually going back to the fan media thing, Liam, you're going, mm. do you fancy doing this? I mean, you don't want to say anything wrong to the big man. Brendan's not like that. He's absolutely not like that. But, but mm. sometimes I wish he would rein it in a wee bit, Liam. He's given too much out. The thing is about, about Brendan Rodgers, now, cards on the table, I mean, anybody who watched us during the, the, the summer will know that I was a lot more, kind of, so we say, sceptical about him coming back than, than you were. Um, and I said at the time that Brendan Rodgers' biggest obstacle might be himself, because great manager though he is, the man has an ego, right? He clearly has quite, quite an ego. And that comes through in some of the you know, some of the, the interactions you see him having with the press and whatever. But the the point is a good manager, and he is a good manager, he needs to, how do I say this? He needs to set his ego aside and realise that what he's doing right now isn't working. Um, you know, he's got like, I want to play my system and I'm going to get the players in January to do it. And I feel it's screaming at him, Brendan, we had a system last season that was working and we were smashing teams in the league quite easily, right? Um, if you have the players to play that system and it's about getting results above all else, put your ego aside, put the Brendan ball or whatever you want to call it aside and play how we played last season, right? Let the wingers get the service to Kyogo, give Kyogo the freedom to go forward and do what he does put Big O in there when necessary. He's shown that he's more than capable. Um, I agree with, with Ian. I would start with the two of them tomorrow night because I think there's there's something there if we can make it work. Um, and I really... 
I just wish that we could just kind of go back to how things were. I mean, I made the joke in our in our chat at the weekend. All I want is Ange back and a bag of cans, you know. But that's that's not going to happen, right? So we've got to work with what we've got, and that's the mantra. You know, Brendan Rodgers too has got to work with what he's got. Um, we need to win that game on the thirtieth. We need to put on a good showing tomorrow night to at least stop the rot in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a win tomorrow night, regardless of what it means for this season, is marked progress on last season because we didn't get a win last season. Yeah, right. So it it shows we're better, and we're moving in the right direction. If even if we're not happy with how the team's playing at the moment, but yeah, I just think that we've got the resources, we've got the tools, we've got the talent. We just need to pull it together, and we're not doing that right now. We're, we're far from doing it. And and this is the thing as well, right? Obviously, tomorrow night, I want us to win. Uh, the board will look at that, Liam, and say, well, that is progress. We've got double the amount of points from the board that we, than we did last year. Um, so they'll see it as progress. And then they'll, they'll, they'll maybe try and justify the recruitment that we had in in the, um, the summer window, which I don't think is justifiable because the more we see, the more we realise that either players are not ready their, their progress, their, their progress project players, or they're, they're never going to be ready. And that's nine players coming in. And I spoke again. Um, there's there's reasons Ian why people are comparing the season to the COVID season. It's not as bad as that. Of course it isn't. There was so much happening with ball and golly, um, flying over to Spain on the fly, the Dubai thing. That, you know, I mean, it was a disaster as well as everything else that was happening uh, globally. But the reason people are comparing it is because of the fractured nature of relationships between fan fan and board, fan and club, um, and also the relationships that we were actually seeing disintegrating within uh, the football side of things because Lenny came out and he, and he tried he tried to, I'm not saying, throw, he, he didn't try and throw them under a bus. I think he tried to, to jolt them into life, uh, but he, he used the wrong words. <laughs> he basically said, there's guys in that dressing room don't want to play here and they haven't wanted to play here for months. And it didn't work, and we capitulated. The reason that we're comparing this season to that season is the fact that there's issues with relationships, be that between fan bases and the club or certain departments and the gaffer. And also, we didn't win the league. And we didn't win the league. And when you look back, it's because we were so, so poor. It wasn't as though we were overpowered by a free-flowing, entertaining, phenomenal football side. It just we were so, so bad. And going back to what Jungle Lion said in the comments, we this is salvageable. It's absolutely salvageable, but there's certain things we need to do differently to make it so. Liam's talking about going back to basics almost. Let's go back to a system where we know that it's going to work. I think in, in a few tiny wee ways, Brendan's done that because he's come in and I think initially he didn't fancy the inverted role, even though, you know, listen... He's played in very fullbacks himself previously at other clubs. It looks as though he didn't fancy it. But now when I look at it, I'm thinking maybe it wasn't the actual system and the shape. Maybe it was the personnel he didn't fancy. Because I'm now looking at, at Greg Taylor, and I did have given him a, a real hard time after the Kelly game because I thought his positional play was dreadful for an international footballer with that level of experience. I mean, he's played 150 games for Celtic now. Um, and I think that it's nothing to do with where we signed him and or because he's not a sexy footballer from other uh, from another league. It's nothing to do with that. I'm just looking at both goals. I'm asking myself, where's Greg Taylor? Because the ball's coming down his side. 
He's making Scales look bad because Scales has been stretched. You see it on both occasions, and there was a couple of occasions in the first half. So I think that there's there's been some things that that Rogers has done wrong, but there's been other things that you know, Rod, you know, Greg Taylor's been exposed this season, Ian. But a big part of that is the guy in front of him has to have defensive abilities. I'm not so sure Palmer's got it. Maeda, if he's fit, does he come straight back in for you? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Um, I think I think Maya they should come back in. Um, he's he is that pest. He's almost like having two players at times. You know, he's he's, he's so he's so he covers so much ground. Um, his final ball obviously is not the best, um, and his decision making is not always the best. I think we've all conceded before that if he had those things in his locker, then he wouldn't be at Celtic. And if he doesn't prove upon those, then he probably will be a, a, a likely sale. So, but yeah, I think we have to bring him back in. It needs. We're relying on too many of the, of the project players. I don't think they, I don't think yeah, I don't think any of these guys would have. I, I don't think they would have been sort of certain starters had we had these not had the injuries perhaps, and we'd, we'd, we'd had more of a, a settled side. Going back to what you were saying before, uh, Liam, um, it, it's like. To go back to basics is absolutely it's what we almost do. If you if you're if you're having a struggles and ending, right, you've got to go back to the basics and start doing the basic things well again. Like if a player's having a bad game, you always say, you know, just keep it simple. You know, yeah. just keep it nice until you get your rhythm back, you know. What I'm not seeing at the moment, and Brendan is called out, he wants unity. And I don't know whether it's that ego part that's playing into it, but he he's the public facing uh, patriarch. He he must be the man that ties it together and and and, and creates that unity. Yep. So we all responded as fans when he came out and he was angry, Brendan, when he was calling calling that as it was, as we saw it, and we thought, right, finally, he's showing a bit of you know, he's you know some 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 the hookies, you know. And it's um so but then the week after, after following the St. Johnson, sorry, so it's following the Kamarnik defeat, he seemed to be a bit more passive again. Um now whether that's Tack, you know, that, that, he's done that on purpose, you know. Um, you can't do it every week, otherwise he will, it'll lose its power, it'll lose its yeah. weight if he's angry all the mm-hmm. time. Or whether he's kind of like just uh, throwing his hands up in there and he's almost giving up with this group. He can't, he can't do that, you know. We, we, I trust Brendan. He's a, he's an elite level coach, um, and it's over a season, um, so I don't know. And it's like sometimes I think as well, not, not in a conspiratorial way, but. It's not necessarily bad for business for a title race to be on. It's it's exciting for the TV companies. You know, it's like, you know, we could, 
we've got so much money in the bank. We could go. We could. We could go so far in advance of, this, of our closest rivals if we wanted to. You know, obviously we've got to get the recruitment right, but we choose not to do it time and time again. And um, whether that's plays in the board's hands of being able to keep the money in the bank, or whether it's you know it, it suits them to to not to not advance too far ahead and to just swat away all comers. You know, it's uh, there's a, there's there's not a bad. It's maybe not a bad shout, you know, to think about things like that along those terms as well. You know, I think that was the same in the, in the COVID season. I've um, <clears throat> I've heard a lot of people talking about that, Ian. Uh, you know, and Kevin Graham, to be fair, in the in the six and a half years that we have been uh, broadcasting as a podcast, as a stream, creating video content, Kevin's always maintained that he believes that is the the kind of basis of the board's <laughs> ambition, just to stay a whisker ahead of the opposition, because as you say, they think it's good for business. I think it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen because it, you, you can't. There's no exact science to just stay a whisker above everybody else. I think I would much rather subscribe to the the vision of trying to improve as a European team, and the domestic football will look after itself because you'll be so strong, your standards will be so high that you'll deal with the domestic side of things. I look back at the um, the summer transfer and I'm hoping there's no way all the ills will be resolved in January. It's not happening. Uh, we can start building towards that. But when I look at the summer transfer window, I think to myself, right, we lost three players, um, Jota, Moy, Starfelt. We lost those three guys, right. I think to improve, you bring four in. And that's the magical figure that, that Brendan keeps using. Now, if over and above that, there's one or two opportunities because I remember when they were talking about Matt O'Reilly being an opportunity, he present that situation presented itself. It wasn't, it wasn't by design. It's not like we'd been tracking him and all this like Tilio for two years. It presented itself. We realised, listen, it's a bit of a low risk. One and a half million quid for this guy. Bring him in, and it's paid off. Whenever that happens, Celtic have got to we've got to act on it, and we bring in a player like that. Absolutely. But to base your entire transfer window on bringing that type of player in. It's a huge mistake. And to bring in nine players into a treble-winning dressing room, I think, is also a massive mistake. And I've spoken about the fact that that becomes quite a big percentage of your your dressing room. It becomes a big percentage of your your training ground, and it can start to actually mould and influence the culture or the mentality of, of your team and your squad. So that's why I would never, ever expect Celtic to make such wholesale changes. Um, I, I would much have rather have seen that amount of people leaving the building because we've got so many non-contributing players. I think we did need four, four players of quality. And even if two of them came in a la CCV and Jota, whereby we knew there was going to be a big um, transfer fee at the end of it, but there's an option to buy them. You bring them in for a season, there's an option to buy at the end. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm definitely not going to go down the road of anybody telling me that Nat Phillips and Paolo Bernardo were those two players because they simply were not. They look like short-term fixes. The Urban Culture. Anyway, back for a bit of axon therapy. I hope that we give you a wee bit of that. There was a few folks saying, oh, it was all doom and gloom yesterday. Listen, it wasn't our fault we got beat with Kilmarnock. We've got to have to talk about the game yesterday. Um, focus of management and players needs to be on the Hearts game. I'm not interested in the one million up for grabs. Right, Liam? We've already spoken about the benefit, the financial benefit. We get it, right? The bounty that you get from being a Champions League. I think what's more important than that is the momentum. We need to start, yeah. as of tomorrow night, building the momentum for the 30th. So I, yeah. I 
yeah, I get that the Hearts game's massive, totally. But I also think that to perform in the Hearts game, it starts tomorrow night. Look, I mean, if you ask me right now, would I take getting getting pumped 3-0 tomorrow, but we win the next five games in the league? Yes, I would take that absolutely all day long, right? But like you say, it's a statement. If we can just go out and finally win a game in the Champions League for first time in God knows how long, that would really mentally have a big impact. Plus, two and a half million quid isn't to be sniffed at, right? Um, I believe it's two and a half million quid a win, isn't it? Um, it is, yeah. Yeah. That, so That would buy you old and Tiago home. Well, it would also bankroll the Celtic women's team for the next two years, but that's another story. Um, that definitely is. Uh, the, um, the, the, the thing is, the, uh, the, the whole aura around the club right now is a bit negative, which is why we might come across as a bit negative trying to talk about it. But... Yeah, tomorrow night is a chance to put down a statement, to put some smiles back on people's faces and to just go out there and play football. But we need to go out and play progressive attacking football, which we have not been playing in the last last couple of months, if I'm being honest. Um, Celtic, I mean, there's quite a few commenters. I've been dipping in and out of the comments today and I've noticed there's quite a few people saying that this is the most boring Celtic team they've watched in quite some time. And I totally get that. Um... It is not as bad as 2020 in terms of where we are in the league, right? Definitely not. But I I remember back then having a feeling of dread watching Celtic. Like, oh God, are we, you know, I, I just hope we can win this game. And to be honest, Kamarnock game the other day, I was starting to get that same feeling. And I thought, oh God, I'm actually, mentally I'm going back to where we were then. And that's mm-hmm. really not where we want to be. And I think there's a lot of fans probably... I wouldn't presume to speak for the entire fan base because I certainly don't, but I think there is a lot of people of a similar mind to me at the moment. There's just that feeling of dread at watching Celtic at the minute because you just don't know which team's going to turn up. You know, thinking back, it is, it is horrendous what happened that season. I mean, talking about an implosion. Yeah, you're a triple treble winning side. And we absolutely uh, shanked it, uh, to use a golf term. We absolutely shanked it. Now, Craig B., uh, comes in to say, I've seen a lot of this uh, mm. from the comments. I've seen a lot of it on social media. And it, it seems to divide opinion, Craig. Uh, scales to left back, anyone. I think we've seen him at left back. He looked like a very ordinary player for me, Ian, when he played left back for Celtic. But I understand what Craig's saying because it's twofold, right? <laughs> so if you play scales at left back, what you're getting is you're getting more physicality than you do when you play um, Greg Taylor there. Um I don't think he's a natural left-back. He said from day one, I remember his original press conference, he was asked a question because he was given the squad number five. He was asked the question, are you a left-back or are you a centre-half? He says, my best position is left-centre-back. Lo and behold, he starts playing there and we see the real Liam skills this season. And he gets a game, a run of games. He needs a run of games. So I've got my reservations about pushing him out there because, yeah, Taylor's an issue. Yes, Taylor will be targeted down the left-hand side. But you might actually lose the benefit of two players if you move scales over there. You might not see the benefit of the scales that we've seen, the resurgence that we've seen this season. Ian. If we do move them out there, however, and we stick to the same shape defensively, then it would allow us to bring in one of these centre-halves that we've barely seen this season, that we spent £7.5 quid on. Because I don't think we'll be seeing Matt Phillips tomorrow night, even if scales goes out to the left of defence. Can you see this being an option for Celtic, Ian? Or would you just say, you know what, 
Scales is doing fine where he is. Let's not, um, you know, give him a bad game because his momentum is going to change if he, if he goes out there and doesn't perform well. I said this before. I think it was when I said I'd, I'd, I'd seen him thinking the day the record. One of the journalists had, had sort of said that. It was actually echoed my, my thinking. Um, I know I had that radical idea as well because Brendan Rodgers likes. Remember, I wrote that blog and I said that it was like it reminded me like he was trying to like he was practicing in front of the mirror to try and like deliver edified greatness when he was you know every time every sentence he uttered in that being Liverpool thing. In other aspects, it's like almost like he tries like he's identifying a player. Remember the old lottery advert where it was like it's you like big golden <laughs> hand, right? And it's like. <laughs> Who's who's it going to be that he's going to change? He's going to make. He's going to put Joe Hart up front. You know, it's like oh, what a tactical genius I am. You know, um, I don't think it's as, as marked as that. But um, anyway, getting back to the to, to the to the skills question, I think I think that he he could play at left back. I don't know whether he's played in midfield or something in his earlier career, but he looks really comfortable in the ball. His distribution is really good. Yeah, from centre half. So you know, I th- I think Scales quite happily could play in midfield. You know, if ever called upon, you know. Um, so, with that in mind, I think he would have the the smarts and the ability to play at fullback, um, and have that power. I think he, I think he'd do all right. And let's think as well, if that did happen, and it wasn't working out, you know, assuming that it was his replacement at left centre back wasn't sort of cutting the mustard, we could put Scalesy back into there and bring bring um, Bring the wee man back on, you know. Um, bring Taylor back on. Should that should should that ever happen? Whether it's the right game to do in Feyenoord, I don't know. Um, possibly because it is a, essentially a dead rubber. But you know that money does mean something. But it would it would build confidence. Um, unless uh, how Feyenoord fixed in the group now? Are they talk still? Feyenoord. Well, no, Feyenoord are just at, at this moment in time just above Celtic. Let me just take. Are they right? Okay. Yeah, but with, with regards to. The, the skills question. Um, obviously, we've got James French on here um, who has says to me that a few a few times he says to me that, that that's his best position, let's not go changing it. Um, and also the, the, the very fact that, um, you know, when we did play him there previously, he, he did not shine. He didn't shine. And he looked very remember ordinary. And Remember, though, he's, he's, he's assimilated into the first team for a bit now. So that he might he might feel at home and comfortable in the first team. So it might, you know, I, there's, there's arguments for both sides, isn't there? You know, sorry there to interrupt you there, but no, there, but there absolutely is. Yeah, it might work now that he's 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 now a first team pick on a regular basis. You never know. Anyway, sorry, mate, for interrupting. No, Feyenoord are pretty safe in in terms of the fact that they they've qualified. They, they're going to drop into the Europa League. They're just above Celtic, but you know. So I'm not going to say there's nothing for them to play for because we've already spoken about the benefits of winning points and all the rest of it in the Champions League. But yeah, they're just above Celtic. And I think that the, the Liam Scales question, I think what I would more be focused on is what's in front of Taylor. Um, and I would be looking at the fact that, right, if Maeda comes back in, you've got to, on the one hand, focus on what I was saying about uh, Kyogo earlier on, Liam. And I know you know both players inside and out, Kyogo uh-huh. and Maeda. Focus on playing to Kyogo's strengths and ensuring that we've got this talismanic presence up front who at the moment isn't getting a game. Turning that on its head, going back to the basics that we spoke about and ensuring that we're going to be delivering the types of balls that I think Kyogo um, thrives on. And, and and one type of ball that he thrives on is where you're, you're either your overlapping fullback or your winger hits that byline and plays a really sharp, 
um, ball with pace, low into the front post. And Togo has got the pace and the anticipation and the finishing ability to get in front of the defender and and and, and you know either head it or or strike it goalwards. He's brilliant at that. He's absolutely phenomenal at that. And Mader's good at delivering that type of ball. What we've seen a lot of is Yang and Palmer in particular cutting inside and playing a ball into the box. Just can mm. continually playing these balls into the box, but you can play them all day long. And Kyogo's not getting into that position, yeah. uh, and he's certainly not competing with big towering centre halves. He's no winning headers against these guys. So on the one hand, you want Mader to be part of that attacking plan. On the other hand, and he's got the engine to do it, Liam. You want him to absolutely protect Greg Taylor if Greg Taylor starts the game tomorrow night. He started every game this season, Greg Taylor. Yeah. So the chances are he will start tomorrow night. Uh, so Maeda, for me, is going to be one of the key players tomorrow. He's got to bring Kyogo back into the game. He's also got to protect Taylor behind him. Yep, totally agree. Um, I think that, apart from anything else, if you've got one eye on the games that are coming up in the league, you want Maeda match sharp. So getting him at least an hour tomorrow night, whether win, lose or draw, is good for his fitness and his, uh, his sharpness. So, yeah, I think Maeda plays regardless of what we actually, what, what formation we end up playing tomorrow night. But like you say, he takes a lot of the pressure off Taylor because <laughs> he can basically play left wing and left back almost simultaneously, right? The, the pace of the guy is phenomenal. Um, and he's got that relationship with Kyogo where he knows the type of ball that Kyogo wants. Um, Yang and Palmer, though I think... Yang less so, but Palmer in particular has shown a lot of promise in the, the games that he's played so far. But he has not shown that, that same, how should we say, um, interconnectivity with Kyogo that the likes of Jota had last season. Yeah. And that comes with time, right? That comes with time. It comes with getting to know the player's personality and getting to know what they do. It comes with training together, playing together. But we don't have time for that right now because we've got to get this, we've got to get these league games back on track. And I think Palmer and Yang will both become good contributing members of the Celtic squad in the fullness of time. But I think for tomorrow night, yeah, you put my head in on the left. And then the right is something that we have to think about as well. But I, I think Maeda has to be on that left wing putting balls in from, for, for Kyogo and doing it properly. No, without a doubt. And, and Brian Warrior says here, the type of ball, he doesn't thrive on talking about Kugo as a pass to Kugo on the halfway line. But Brendan seems to think he's the new Dembele. You can take that pass, bully two defenders off and launch an attack. Mm. What I don't like seeing, Ian, is the... Listen, we all become body language experts, don't we? Uh, when we're looking at sidelines and relationships between coaches and managers and players and all this. But Kugo seems so isolated, um, you know, and it, it actually shows. It's almost as if he's devoid of any kind of confidence at the moment. And I know that people have said since year dot that a striker thrives on confidence. They're confidence players. When when the confidence is high, they're doing things without thinking about it. The goals are going in. There's no consideration for it. But it has seemed pretty, for me, isolated. Um, and that... I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I hope isn't a reflection of the fact that he's not enjoying his football. But when you look at these stats 40 minutes into a game and he's touched the ball three times, how can you enjoy that? How, how can you possibly enjoy your football if you're not getting a kick of the ball? Um, so for me, it is really tomorrow night. It's about Maida. I think he's absolutely pivotal, pivotal to this. And I, I don't think we've ever underestimated him. Liam Carrigan's been banging on about Maida before we even signed him. We've never underestimated him, but by God, you miss him when he's not in the team, Ian. And I think yeah. we really have missed him, haven't we? That's always the sign of an impo- how important a player is, isn't it? You know, I, I, I was guilty of that with Neil Lennon a little bit back in the day where, you know, sometimes it was like, you know, Kurt Lennon, you know, so, for some of these kind of stray balls or whatever. But it was only when he wasn't playing, particularly in the, um, the Celtic Rangers games, if he wasn't playing for whatever reason, you really missed him. Um, yeah. And then you appreciated the type, you know, what, what he brought to the team. My head is the same. Um, he still frustrates me at times um, with that, Football intelligence or lacking, um, but a lot of footballers do, especially in modern times. Listen to Grandad again, you know. But it's 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 a it's a huge part, huge part of the game is 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 the football intelligence side. When to when to you know know when to hold them, know when to fold them, um, and so it's it's if he can improve that aspect of his game, I think he's yeah he's going to be he's going to be a superstar. But even even at that, um, his importance is. Is, is is huge and and the fact that at the moment we're kind of struggling for a bit of confidence and a bit of identity he he will come in and 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 sort of build build back that sort of original template of what our identity has been in recent years um i think, I think that he's integral talking about identity i've heard a lot of celtic fans talking about that you know they're not quite sure what the the shape and the style is um and and i've i've used the term the old Jekyll and Hyde, because we have seen this season. Liam, we have seen this season that when it works, it works. I mean, yeah. I let Madrid to each. Um, I think I was calling Brennan Rogers a tactical mastermind um, <laughs> during that game because he actually seen that there was trouble ahead and Atletico Madrid had made some changes at half time and they had us on the back foot after a brilliant first half and he changed it defensively and he brought in Nat Phillips. Now, people might have said, you know, under Ange we'd have gone for a third and we probably would have. And we might have lost the game 4-3 and it might have been a phenomenal European night at Celtic Park despite the loss. But I was I was talking about the fact that, yeah, it wasn't as good to watch. And and yes, he's killed the game for, for long periods in the second half. But it was it was tactically mature. And we've mm. seen performances like that. We've seen games where we've absolutely blown teams away, like mm. um, Aberdeen. Not so much Hibs. The 4-1 game, I thought we were much better than the opposition, very deserving of the win. We never quite blew them away in the same style as we did against Aberdeen, uh, the 6 nothing game. But we've seen performances this season, Liam, that gives me a bit of hope that there is something still there. Of course there is. But we need to get a consistency of team selection. We need to get this fluidity 
It's almost as if Palma has a great game one week and he's rotten the next. And there's a few players that have that have kind of suffered from that, isn't there? Well, that comes from lack of consistently playing the same team, you know, chopping and changing. You know, Ange did talk a lot about squad rotation when he was in charge, but more or less, if he had his eleven, his best eleven available, those were the guys that played. Um, you know, and with Brendan Rodgers, we're not really sure who the best eleven is at the moment because nobody's really playing well. Um, and I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna chuck the proverbial hand grenade in the comments here because this might not be popular, but. I don't. I. I need a sound effect. I need a sound effect when you say that, Liam. So no, I no, just no, press no. the button. <laughs> oh God, no! Right. Um. That what I'm going to say is that it's if you're the Celtic manager, that is a un, that is a, a special position in the sense that just winning games is not enough. Right. We do not accept just winning games. If we win a game one nothing and it's dire to watch and it's boring, fans are not going to be happy with that in the long term, right? So I think that it's not enough to just get results, which we're not getting at the moment either. We need to play good, attacking, entertaining football while we're doing it. Celtic fans expect that and Celtic fans demand that. And I'm one of them. I, I don't like the way we're playing football this season. It's not fun to watch. It's Sport Sport is supposed to entertain you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole point of football is that it's, a, it's 90 minutes of escapism from whatever anxieties or troubles we have in our daily lives. That is the whole point of football, for me anyway. I, don't, I wouldn't presume to speak for everybody, but for me personally, it's a 90-minute get out from whatever is bugging me that week. And it should be entertaining. And Celtic are not entertaining at the moment. Even when we win. Like the Hibs game being an example, right? We won 4-1. Clearly the better team. It was not a particularly exciting game to watch, if we're being brutally honest, was it? No, it wasn't. But see that entertainment that you're talking about? Um, you mm. go back to Bertie Old. And virtually every time he spoke about Celtic, you heard them. Big Jock told us to entertain and all this, right? We, we've heard that it. it's mm. become part of folklore. But even going back to that game I mentioned at Tynecastle, where it was rotten, the stadiums were horrible back then, the weather was terrible, the pies weren't great, and the team on the park were terrible as well. But you enjoyed it because you look forward to it all week. I'm I'm a kid at the time, Liam, but the old fella, he was a pit man. You imagine the week he's just had. And then you get this release to go out and have a few babies and enjoy a game of football and all the crack on the, the CSC, I'm talking about Potter, not the other type of crack, on the mm. on the bus going through and everything else. So you're right. As a football fan, you want to be entertained. And what they've done down in the EPL is they've packaged it as if it's the most entertaining thing in the world. I, I used to call it the WWF, the football, <laughs> because once you actually sit down and watch it, it's not that entertaining. It's boring, right? But with Celtic, we have been... Uh, entertained and we've had entertaining managers and teams in recent times but the example I would use Ian to, to kind of back up Liam's point is Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla won two leagues in a row, he won a double in the first season, should have won a treble but we know why we didn't and um, by season two, you know, in the European games we were shutting the top tier because nobody was interested, um, you know, and I mean that in the best possible terms because we still went, we still bought season tickets and all the rest of it but the football wasn't great to watch. And by the end of the second season, no one was complaining when Ronnie Dyla left the club. I think he's a great coach. I think he'll do great things. And I've said on here before, 
eventually he'll be the Norway manager. He has spoken himself to, to Axel, actually. There's an interview on the YouTube channel. Check it out. But he's spoken about the fact that the job was too big for him at that time, at that stage of his career. But he couldn't turn it down because opportunity was, was massive. But going back to what Liam's saying, we, we've not really had that identity and that entertainment value that as Celtic fans, we think it's part of the fabric of supporting this football club, Ian. Yeah, I, I, I sound like I'm still uh, sort of the president of the Ange Postecoglou fan club. The amount of times I heart back to him. The New Zealand but, branch. Exactly. Um, yeah, we say mate here as well a lot. That The reason I'm saying that actually is because I was just thinking before, just sort of when you guys were chatting about something else about that, about Jockstein and his demand that we entertain. He was a he was he was a pitman as well, you know. My family, a lot of them were in the pits and stuff. So he intrinsically knew what the football club did is responsible for within the community, and it has a, has a, a responsibility to entertain to play football a certain way. There's, there's certain clubs that are synonymous with playing. A, a certain brand of football, you know, but winning is not enough, and Celtic certainly falls in that category. Now, the reason I mentioned Ange is because he said that his was born out of his relationship with his dad, and he used to get up. Obviously, they, yeah. were, they, they emigrated to, to to Australia, but they'd get up during the night, and they didn't want really to sort of get up in the wee small hours and be bored to tears watching exactly. a game of football. They wanted to be entertained, and I'm the same. You know, I'm the same at home. I'm the same here now, um, and. It is it's predictable? It's languid. It's 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 um, yeah. It's it, we need we need to to, to get that identity back. And Angie's now got the you know the Spurs are saying we've got our, our Tottenham back. You know that's the, they're, they're one of those sort of sort of fable teams that are supposed to be playing tackling football. And Angie's given them that, and I think that's that is born out of those that 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 attitude that Steen had, and that is it's it's not and the the, the English Premiership ship, sorry um, has bred that kind of scientific homogenised, sterile approach to football. So, you know, the lower echelon teams, they have to desperately stay in. You know, you still can't polish a turd, you know. Stoke City still soaks at Stoke City. At one time, they had a bigger playing budget than Atletico Madrid, who were winning the league. You know, um, but so you can't, you know, some of these games are turgid, you know, but they don't, the pressure on them to stay in that league Means that it becomes this, this this kind of war of attrition a lot of the time, you know. So it's only for me. I only like to watch the big games, you know, involving the Liverpool's, the Man Cities, where you know it's going to be a decent game, you know, when they play each other. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of what I think about about the the, the thing the, with, with the style and the entertainment. Absolutely, that'd be brilliant. But see, right now, it would also be brilliant just to be winning games. And, and I'm going back to that tomorrow night. Let's get the momentum going. I'm going to bring in some comments before we wrap up for this afternoon. It's been a quick one. Jungle Lion, at least 10 to 12 squad players taking a wage and contributing zero. That was a big point of mine in the um, in the summer, Jungle Lion. I was talking about that. Uh, you know, I, I made a list of 10 players that I thought would leave the club. A couple of them have, have resurrected their Celtic careers. But... Um, on the whole, I agree with you. I think that, and it's going to take time. It's not as easy as just getting rid of them. It's almost like a full-time job in the recruitment team to actually uh, deal with the revolving door of players out the club as well. Uh, we've got such a big squad at the moment. Bobby, 1962, uh, talking to Daniel Maida, makes Taylor look better than he is. Yeah, and I think we need him to tomorrow night as well, Bobby. I think uh, Maeda, I've said it before, I think that he is key tomorrow night and also for the remaining games prior to 
the 30th of December. Brian, what what you'd give for a Wanyama type just now? And by the way, um, I think that's why whenever Wanyama is mentioned, some Celtic fans are, I'll bring him back. It's not actually Wanyama we want back. It's that type of player we want back, you know? And I think Alan Morrison spoke about it, that his biggest concern going into the Champions League this season was our lack of uh, combative players, the athletic type, the physical type in the midfield. He spoke about it. It's not behind sight. So fair play Alan Morrison for uh, pointing that out. Haddington boy, hopefully get the monkey off our back and a good win tomorrow night. The one and only game I attended with Feyenoord was the 1970 final. Fair play to you then to have seen Celtic in a European Cup final. It seems unthinkable that we could ever get to that point again. A big Dom, is it Dom Mackay? Remember Dom Mackay? Used to phone us, <laughs> invite us to press conferences, not, you know, banners from them. Um, are you going to engage with your audience and the comments? Of course we are, Dom. <laughs> big, big Dom, just phone me. Just phone me and I can talk to you that way as well. And Michael Ross, you're back in. Uh, this board are playing a dangerous game. I think they are when it comes to the fan base. Um, I don't think the result should be that we get banned, be that the Green Brigade, the boys, four times in a pod. I think it should be about engagement. I think it should be about unity. It's a word that Ian used earlier on the show, and we need to sort it out, Michael. I agree with that. Um, getting Ovrosky in the stand 11 move scales to left back. I've seen a lot of people saying it. I can understand why you would say that. But Jungle Lion uh, points out, and this is something I think James French has mentioned a few times on the show, Scales wasn't great at fullback at Shamrock Rovers. I think unfairly we go to the Bodo Glint performance um, because he was pretty poor in that game. But also, uh, I think Celtic as a whole were pretty poor. I just got a text there from Celtic FC about tomorrow night's game. I thought I was getting banned from the press conference this afternoon as well. <laughs> Thank God that wasn't the text uh, uh-huh. telling me you're not getting in. Um, Asim Rabani will be representing Celtic, uh, Axon rather, at the Celtic press conference this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to his input as well. Um, I think he's been a great addition to the Axon team. JD, he's killing the game for 90 minutes at the moment. That's going back to a point I made about Brendan killing the game for 25 minutes at a time. Listen, tomorrow night um, is the beginning of a, a small group of games, I think, that lead us into that game against Rangers. And as Liam says, you know what? If things remain as they are between now and then, the 30th of December, you go into that game, it means that we've got a bit of momentum, a bit of a bounce, and hopefully we can um, start to stretch that gap at the top of the, the table. Because unlike some of the theories around the Celtic board, I don't like just being a whisker ahead of the challengers. I want um, Celtic to you know, look after our own backyard, focus on uh, building a European side and the domestic side of the game will look after itself. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. A couple of wee things. Charity Weekenders coming up this weekend. We will be live for 12 hours on Saturday, 12 hours on Sunday. It's the fourth time we've done it. And this year, we are raising funds for we, Jamie Tierney, who is fighting against Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We've got a lot of Celtic podcasts getting involved. We've got a, a very special appearance from Liam Carrigan. Um, that Liam does know about, although obviously I've got to update you, Liam, on that one. And All right. uh, Celtic Down Under will be involved as well. Really looking forward to it. Um, some old names, some new names. The Pierre Van Hooydonk interview will finally be aired on the Axon channel, and I'm really looking forward to doing a 24-hour podcast this weekend for charity. Um, and following from that will be the Axon night out, the Christmas night out, um, and unfortunately some of the Axon troops are not in Scotland. You will not be able to attend. 
But if you want to come along, it's with Yuan Mialbi at Gracie's and there's uh, fewer than 20 tickets available. The link is underneath this video. It's 15 quid a ticket. Come along and hear Yuan Mialbi talking about his time as a player and a coach at Celtic Park. Thank you all for getting involved. 800 strong on this Tuesday afternoon. And thank you to Ian Conroy and Liam and Carrigan for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.